Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, welcome back. Wrapping up what's been hopefully powerful, productive, and personally um, <clears throat> constructive week for all of us. Yes, a week of growth, a week of further actus amongst us and amongst Klai Yisrael and the Rebbeinu should grant us coming weeks of good health, nachas, actus, and seeing our tefillahs answered, simchas and celebrations. Tonight is actually the beginning of a day that's not such a pleasant day on the calendar. Tonight's Hasorah B'Teves. Tent of Teves. Fast doesn't begin till tomorrow morning. The Tent of Teves is already here now. And uh, like every fast day, there are those, the Shnabru brings down already, those who scrupulous, holy, pious individuals that already the night before the fast try to start taking on certain aspects of the fast day, such as not eating chalms, not drinking beer. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's okay. We're good. We're good, Rabbi Say. But there are scrupulous individuals that tonight already started trying to start, try to start uh, toning down, tapering off on certain activities that Mishnah Brewer brings down. Um, so again, the fast with all of its halachas halachically doesn't kick in until tomorrow morning. But tonight is already the tenth of Tevez. And as such, being that this year the tenth of Tevez falls out on a Thursday night, and Thursday night is the night that we get together to wrap up the week, this week we're going to do a little bit of a discussion, exploration of the tenth of Tevez. The fast of the tenth of Tevez, what it stands for, what Chazal established it for. And ultimately, if we understand a little bit better the tragedies that occurred on the Tenth of Teves, we stand a better chance of remedying the Tenth of Teves, rectifying, bringing repair to the day of the, uh, the fast day and, and turning it, hopefully, not that long from now, into a day of Simchan celebration as opposed to a day of a fast. So that's always the way to move forward from a fast, a way to... to, to um, capitalize on a fast day. Of course, we fast, but as the Rishayim tells us already, as the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Kodesh Baruch Hu certainly wants us to observe the halachic rigors and demands of the fast, but more than that, Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to take the fast seriously, a day of introspection, a day of thinking, a day of understanding, a day of tikkun and shuba, and the best way in any particular fast of doing the tikkun and shuba is understanding first and foremost what that fast stands for, why that fast was established. So the tenth of Teves, I'm going to go on a bit of a journey now, we're going to go to some very dark, perhaps, very dark and dismal places. But the point of going to these dark and dismal depths is to be able to provide light and illumination, hopefully, and figure out what went wrong so we can set it right once again. The Tent of Teves, we know, based on multiple sources, it really is a, um, a very severe fasting. In fact... In fact, the, the Paiskim tell us already, the Tenth of Teves, although it's regarded as a more innocuous fast, it's a, you know, almost gets dismissed, it's a fast day that falls out the shortest days of the year, it's the shortest fast day, right? Whether it's the Shabbos, whether it isn't the Shabbos, comes out, you know, middle of the winter, comes out when sunset is the earliest, it's a very short fast, kind of gets eclipsed, and we have Hanukkah right before the fast, we have Tu B'Shvat coming up around the corner, sort of gets a little bit dismissed and neglected, but the, the uh, police can tell us that Asar B'Tebes actually has elements of it that make it more severe than any other fast. And as one 
actually actually a halacha that captures this idea that asar b'teves and tenteves is actually, in a certain sense, more chum or more severe than all the other fast days. I'm talking about the rabbinic ones, not Yom Kippur, obviously, but Tishabav, Shivasavitam is same Gedalia, Tanya Esther. Something about Asar B'teves that's, that's more severe, that's more chamer. What's more severe about Asar B'teves? The halacha that exists only by Asar B'teves. This is why we waited for Maish. This is why we waited for Maish. Yes, the halacha is that if Asar B'teves were to fall on the Shabbos, which our calendar does not allow for, it doesn't, the way our calendar is structured, the tentatives cannot fall out, on sh- fall out on the Shabbos. But if it were to fall on the Shabbos, we would fast on Shabbos. Every other fast day, what happens when it falls on Shabbos? Other fast days could fall on the Shabbos, right? Tisha B'Av, Shabbos, Shabbos, Tainas Esther, this year falls out on the Shabbos, right? Other fast days can fall out on the Shabbos. What happens when they fall on the Shabbos? It's a Nidcher or Muktam, right? Tainas Esther goes back, the other Tainasim go forward, but yes, we we uh, we push it off. We fast on a Sunday if it falls out on a Shabbos. That's not lucky. Don't fast on Shabbos. What are you talking about? We don't fast on Shabbos. Asar b'teves. Were it to fall on a Shabbos, we'd fast on Shabbos. The pasuk by Asar b'teves says Be'etzim Hayoyim This very day, and Chazal understand from that this very day that you can't budge the, the fast of, of of the tenth of Teves. This very day has to be observed as a fast day. And. I started with Tebes, what it commemorates is a Pasuk, yes, Pasuk, Yirmiyahu was in the day of the siege that Nebuchadnezzar laid against Yerushalayim. I'll, I will take a half a cup, actually, please. Thank you very much, yes. Um, Just a half a cup is fine. Um, so it described, it was, it was a siege that was laid against Yerushalayim. Thank you, with the brachas, in fact. Baruch HaTadar, Has this is some the sponsor projectors, right? No, I'm saying it's, it has a thingy, right? Uh, it does. Uh, oh, it's very good. Um, you should be good with Very nice. Okay, so uh, what were we saying? We were saying that, yeah, 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 it's the, the, the description of, of the siege is there, and and, and, and the Tainasim are just all, all, um, all the Tainasim are as positive as. I think that's the positive talks about the fast days that Christ will observe the four fast days. This plus Shivas of Thomas plus Sam Gedalia plus Asarbatevi. So there are mentioned in Sukkim. What's the matter? Yeah, yeah. So um, they're Dibre, it's Dibre Kabbalah, but you know, it's it's uh, one notch above even uh, uh, the Rabbanans. So uh, the way that fast is described, it's clear that you have to fast even if it falls out on the Shabbos, and not so. Did Chazal say this by the other Tainasim? What makes the fast of the Tenth of Tevez so severe, so strict? It's more strict, again, like short fast, you know, there's other fasts that are like worse. Tishabav, so many things happen on Tishabav. On, on Shiva's Vatamas, five things happen. Tishabav, five things happen. Let's start with Tevez. Why is that so much more severe that you got to fast even if it falls on the Shabbos? So one brief idea that Chazam Sefer offers is that. The Beis HaMikdash was actually supposed to be destroyed on Nasser B'Teves, says the Chassam Seifer. The, the original date, the, the Beis HaMikdash was supposed to be destroyed, was the 10th of Teves. Um, the Rebbein Shalom pushed it off to try to give us one last chance to do tshuva. But really, the day of the siege was supposed to, everything was supposed to go down on that day. It was supposed to all happen, you know, it wasn't just supposed to be a siege, it was supposed to penetrate, break through, break in, and, 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 uh, 
destroy the base Hamikdash. It was supposed to happen on the tenth of Teves. So the tenth of Teves kind of shemayin is a date on a cosmic on a cosmic level that is 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 the bright day, so to speak, for the destruction of the base Hamikdash. That means the tenth of Teves is really the beginning of the churban. The churban on a cosmic scale, on the cosmic level, in the cosmic sense, is happening on the tenth of Teves. That's one reason why we treat it in a more severe uh, manner, like. Tishbab almost represents like the Rachamei Shemaim that it was delayed. It was delayed a number of months. So there's a rach, elements of Rachmanus in that Chorban, but the Chorban itself is supposed to be on Asar B'Tevis. Asar B'Tevis is a very difficult day, a Shver day, very Shver day. Some say for yes, yes, it was a day that's established for tears, but it's not explained what those tears are going to be. Other, yeah. Um, After the fact, there's Yeah. So meaning. This was the right day. Once it's not going to be on Zerbatavis, the, the, the day to push it off to is going to be Tisha B'Av. There's another idea that we're going to explore now. and that We're told that Zerbatavis is really a triple tinus. That's another reason why it's so severe and so more severe, so much more severe than the other fast days, because it's really a triple tinus. What does that mean, it's a triple tinus? You know this one? Okay, what Maitri means to say is that tragedies tragedies happened on three days in a row. Eighth, ninth, and tenth of Teves, there were tragedies that happened three days in a row. On the eighth and the ninth and the tenth. And Chazal, didn't, we're not going to require us to fast three days in a row, but each of the tragedies that happened on each of those three days was sufficient grounds to institute his own fast day. Really, what happened on the eighth deserves a fast. What happened on the ninth deserves a fast. What happened on the tenth deserves a fast. It's difficult for us to fast three days in a row. Now, fasting three days in a row wouldn't mean a 72-hour fast. It would mean, you know, eating at night, fasting, and eating at night and fasting. But still, that takes a toll on the system. So instead of Chazal requiring us to fast three days in a row, they said, you know what, if we're going to fast on the 10th day, that's going to cover all three days. This is another reason why it's a very severe fast, because not like the 9th of Av, which is commemorating the tragedy that happened on the 9th of Av, 17th of Tammuz, which is commemorating five bad things that happened on the 17th of Tammuz, 17th of Tammuz is a sad day. 10th of Teves, is a fast that has to be a threefold fast, a triple fast. We're fasting for the eighth and for the ninth and for the tenth, all rolled into one day. That's another reason which makes it much more severe than the other fast days. What were the tragedies that happened on the tenth of Tevis? This has to be the next step in our journey over here to try to figure out what the tenth of Tevis stands for. The darkness that was wrought upon the world on this day and the three days in a row that we're fasting for starting tomorrow, we're fasting for the eighth, ninth, and tenth. What happened exactly? So, we're going to read the tour. And this is what the tour says, okay? So listen up, Rabbi. Say, we may hear something new. Okay, Maishi and everyone else, we may hear something that we haven't heard yet about what happened on the 10th of Tevis. Says the tour, this is the tour, the end of Hilchas Tiny Yais, Tov Kuf Pei. Tour says like this. B'Shemayna B'Tevis, on the 8th day of Tevis, remember we're fasting on the 10th because of what happened the 8th and the 9th and the 10th. What happened on the eighth of Teves? Nichtava Torah The Torah is translated into Greek. Be made Talmai Hamelach in the in the reign during the reign of the Greek king Talmai. Ubachoshech Loelim Shleisha Yomim that brought three days of darkness to the world. The Torah, which is Meirashak Ilos Yankov, which is our birthright, which is our betrothed, which belongs to us. A guy that learns Torah is Chayv Misa. It's something that's exclusive, exclusive to Klal Yisrael. It's now been. Released to the game. It's now been, it's been, it's now in, in a, 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 a uh, the game have access to it now. That brings darkness to the world because the Torah has become darkened. 
by by being released outside of the exclusive the exclusive possession of Klai Yisrael. That's a very, that's a tragic thing. Tereshavit this ties in... What? Well, this is what was translated as Tereshavit Chsav. They're not Chaimis if they learn Tereshavit Chsav, yes, but but giving them, that's the, the you know... They may... Not have gotten the crown jewels yet, but they broke into the chamber. They the, already have made inroads into the system of Torah by having a translation. Okay, they didn't get the strimal, but they got they got the one end of the gartel. They have a hold on the gartel now. They didn't get to the strimal yet. They're tugging at the gartel. Yes. So didn't um, they write the Torah in Shivim Lashon and after they uh, crossed the Yarden? Yeah, but there's a whole discussion what that was all about. What did they really write? They write Kol Tarakula. Maybe they just wrote the Tariq Mitzvahs. Maybe they just wrote Sefer Devarim. Mm-hmm. And who were they really writing it for also? Yes. But anyway, but that's, yes, that's, that's a good sugya to get into one time. Uh, so that's what happened on the eighth day of Tevis. Okay, in this broad darkness, eight, eight, for ten, three days. So one of the things that we're passing for tomorrow is the, is the, is the release of Torah to the Gaim. Betisha boy, well, let's skip to the ninth for a moment. What happened on the tenth of Tevez? I said already what happened on the tenth, right? That's right. On the tenth of Tevez, Nebuchadnezzar the king laid siege against Jerusalem. Okay, that's the eighth and that's the tenth. What happened on the ninth? Says the tour. Betisha boy, on the ninth of Tevez, a tragedy happened. But it was covered up. Our sages did not reveal to us what that was says the tour. Something tragic happened. Something awful happened. Something terrible happened on the ninth of Tevez. But Chazal did not release that information. Chazal did not share it. They kept it quiet. They kept it under wraps. But it's something worth fasting over. And it's something that goes together with tragedies that happened on the 8th and the 10th that make the 10th of Tevez a combined tragedy, combined fast of such a magnitude that you would have even fast on Shabbos because something that happened on the ninth, which is clearly something that Chazal did not want to publicize, but it is big tragedy. What is that? So the tour keeps it very mysterious and critical. In other places it's mentioned that Ezra Sefer was Nifter, right? The tour is not going with that. What's the big deal? What's the problem? Chazal can tell me that they translate the, the Septuagint. How do you pronounce that? Septuagint. Something like that, right? I don't think I know. There's one of these words that nobody really knows how to pronounce, right? <laughs> so uh, so uh, if you can tell me that that happened, right? Why can't you tell me that Ezra Sefer was Nifter, right? Why can't you tell me Ezra was Nifter? Um, What's special about Ezra? What? Special about Ezra. Right, okay. So, so this, who is clearly not referring to Ezra Sefer being Nifter? Because it's not, why can't you share that with me? Something happened that's so awful, so horrible, that we have to fast about that also, but Chazal couldn't tell us what that was. They covered, it was a cover-up. What were they covering up? So the, 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 the Haggoyus over here on the tour, they bring down the following. But what happened? What was it that happened on the tenth of Tevez that Chazal decided to that Chazal felt it necessary to uh, to cover up? So let me share with you um, what the guys they bring down from uh, from the, the Kadmonim from the early commentators 
on the ninth of Teves, Noilad Ish. That's when Yashka was born. Yashka was born on the ninth of Teves. The year, in other words, that Yashka was born, his Hebrew birthday was on the ninth of Teves. And that's why Chazal instituted a fast. Because that's when Yashka was born. Okay, so one moment, let's take this slow. So first of all, as much as everyone says, oh, they got it wrong, you know, all the, 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 <laughs> academic, the academians and the, and, the, and the scholars and the researchers, oh, December 25th is a big mistake. No, he wasn't born December 25th. He was born on, on Juneteenth or something, you know, <laughs> whenever they say he was born, right? Um, well, December 25th it does kind of correlate, you know, with the 9th of Teves. Was it that year? Was it Teves, December 25th? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was the 24th, 26th. I have a son who was born on the 24th. I have a nephew who is, I, my mother's, she, she goes on the start, on the 20, born on the 23rd. I have a son who's born on the 24th. I have a nephew, ho, 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 who's born on the 25th, <laughs> my nephew. Uh, but uh, so that might have been the 25th. You know, this is the same time of year, the right time of year, the ninth of Tebes, you know, does correspond to that time of year. It might have fallen out so of Kratzma. It might have fallen out of Kratzma. <laughs> so it could be they were really, they were really right all along. But in any case, it, it, it's the right, you know, it's, it's the season to be gloomy about this. It's, it's, it's definitely that time of year. And, and, this is one of the reasons we're fasting tomorrow, is because of Yashka's arrival to this world and what, and the, the legacy, the destruction that Yashka left behind. So we're going to do with the remaining or, remainder of our time until Maya, we're going to explore a little bit the Sugi of Yashka. The Sugi of Yashka, the Sugi of Christianity, what Yashka did, what he brought to the world, and why we're fasting, but again, according to the tour, we're fasting tomorrow. One of the reasons we fast on the 10th of Av is because Yashka, and by extension, Christianity, comes into existence on the 9th of Tevis. And so therefore, we're fasting for the 9th of Tevis on the 10th of Tevis. So, mind-blowing idea. Mind-blowing idea. And it goes hand-in-hand hand with the other ones. Darkness, the darkness of the Torah being translated into the Sephic tangents. Um, and and uh, the, the base of is being destroyed, the darkness that Yashka brings to the world. So what, what was Yashka? What was he all about? What did he bring to the world? What did he bring to the world? And what, what do we have to be mindful of tomorrow during the times, right? What did Yashka bring with Yashka Christianity? What, did, what does Muhammad bring to the world? Well, that's not tonight's discussion, yes. But that's, that's a good, that's a good quite flash, another flash discussion topic for another time, yes, yes. But for the 10th of Tebis, what we're going to talk about, again, is exploring this idea. So what did he bring to the world? So, I once heard an unbelievable vart from Ramesha Shapiro Zatzal, who established that what Yashka did was essentially recreating the Chet Ego. The golden calf was the golden calf all over again. What does that mean, the golden calf all over again? So, to understand what Yashka did and what Christianity was all about, we have to go back to the, the, the golden calf, the Chet Ego. What was the golden calf all about? Klai Yisrael had a leader. Now is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe took them. Excuse me. Adam Mitzrayim. Moshe splits the sea for them. Moshe brings all the Makkas. Moshe's, you know, he's it. He's that's he's it. Moshe. He's Moshe. That's right. He's Moshe. He's the tap. He's the spitz. He's the leader. He goes up to to uh, to Har Sinai. To Har Sinai. To get the Torah to bring the Torah down to Kleisrael and Kleisrael makes an error 
in uh, calculations. They, they, they miscount the days. They think he's supposed to be back a day early. He doesn't come back. And what happens? They come to Aaron. They say, Make for us a God that will lead us. Because Moshe, who took us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Moshe is gone. Moshe is avek. The Moshe that took us out of Egypt is gone. So make for us a God. Make for us a God. Um, and it didn't end well. We all know what happens next. It did not end well. It, it degenerates into Avodah It degenerates, Rashi tells us, into immorality, into, into Arias. It degenerates into Shvichas Damim, bloodshed. All the, it gets the three cardinal sins in the name of this Aseilonu uh, Elohim, in the name of this God. They break the three cardinal sins. And, and to this very day, we're still, we're still paying out the, the, um, the tab. Klai Yisrael was, was supposed to be destroyed. Moshe intervenes and says, don't destroy them. So Hashem says, okay, I'm not going to destroy them, but they're going to work at a payment plan. And we know that any suffering, any national suffering that we suffer from till today is still paying out the Cheda Egel. We're paying it off. Is USP discounted to Pesach or Horpunz? What? Is USP discounted to Pesach? Very good, excellent question. So biologically, he was, he's certainly he's a descendant of Yaakov because Yoshka was... We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. But but you're, you're not far off the mark asking this question. Okay, but anyway, you're a few steps ahead of us, Rav Moshe, you're a few steps ahead of us. We'll catch up to you. Um, so, um, the October 7th massacre is, is a payment on the Chet Egel, right? The Holocaust. What? I believe so. What? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's Ribbis. Hopefully, hopefully... Hopefully we're getting off easy. I mean, like with the original chayv was was total annihilation, right? So if anything, we're we're getting the better deal by this with this payment plan over here. Um, but you know, hopefully that was the last payment that we're going to have to make. The last payment the class is going to have to make is the October seventh massacre. Um, so that's what this resulted in the cheda egel and. What was really the Chet Egel in Lambdas? What was Kleiser really doing in Lambdas? What was Lambdas the Chet Egel? The Lambdas of the Chet Egel was Kleiser essentially refusing, refusing to shift gears, refusing to transition. Very interesting. Let's consider this. What was Kleiser supposed to do? We've spoken this out in the past by Parshas Kisisa. Like, what were they supposed to do? What was their mistake? What were they supposed to do? Were they, were they faulted for thinking that Moshe was dead? Were they faulted for that? Was, that? was that where they went wrong? That wasn't their fault. They made a mistake in math, right? You ever make a mistake adding things up? You ever make a mistake in math? Sure, all the time. Ask me how, how old my kids are. Ask me what their birth dates are. I'm not going to get it, right? Yeah, I make mistakes. So I, I, I can't keep track of my kids' ages, right? We have a, a whole bunch of kids. And, and their ages, every single one of them, their ages change every single year. All these ages are changing all the time. All the time. So how can you keep track of such a thing? I make, they make mistakes in numbers all the time, right? They weren't faulted for getting the date wrong. They weren't faulted for thinking Moshe was, was dead. The Sultan showed them Moshe's coffin being, being born up to Shemayim. That's not why, what they were faulted for. Even Iron thought Moshe was not coming back, right? Iron was trying to buy time. Even, I'm sorry, even Iron made a mistake with the math. Even Iron made a mistake with the math. 
Um, good. We've discussed that uh, different times, different parishes, different years. But the point is that that, that wasn't their chait. Their chait wasn't thinking that he was dead. Their chait was, now that Moshe is dead, so what do you do? You need, you need to transition. Then transition from Moshe to the, to the next leader, and that has to be Aaron. You have to be prepared for a transition. You have to be prepared to say, Aaron, we don't know what happened to Moshe. Moshe's avek. Moshe's gestorben. Aaron, you have to lead us now. But that's not what they did. They came to Aaron with a substitute for Moshe. That's what they wanted. They wanted to provide their own substitute for Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's make a substitute. We're going to replace Moshe. We're going to replace Moshe with the golden calf. But certainly the golden calf was full of sorcery and black magic and dark arts and kishuf, of course, but they were presenting it as a substitute for Moshe. They refused to transition. Refused to transition. Not a good thing when Kleisel can't, can't transition and it gets us into big trouble. You didn't have a leader, a leader that they look up to. We get attached to our leaders for a good reason. All the leaders that we have should have gazunt and good health until 120. We can't lose any more, Rabbi said. But in past generations, when we've lost leaders, sometimes it's a challenge. What do you do when you lose your leader? Do you transition? Or do you refuse to admit that you've lost them and you try to figure out a way to keep that leader around? You don't get a new leader. It's not a healthy thing. Not a healthy thing when Yidin can't transition. Not a healthy thing when we can't let go of a leader even when the leader has let go of us. Right? Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. By the Cheda Egel, Klaiso refused to transition. Klaiso said, we'll replace Moshe with a craft of our own making, with, with our own kishuf, with our own sorcery, but it's going to be re- a replacement for Moshe. And this was essentially what? Why do they not want to transition? It was a pretext. Pretext for what? What do they do immediately when they have the Egel? Immediately? They degenerate and descend into the Gimel Chamuris. Gilei Rashi, Chazdamim, Avedazar, Rashi says they did it all, right? They killed Chur, they were, they were uh, committing Arayas, they were doing Avedazar, obviously. It was a, uh, the, the, the failure, the refusal to transition was a pretext, the, 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 the insistence on a substitute for Moshe was a pretext for using it as a foil for their, their, their uh, interest in the Gimel Chamuris. Okay, good. This is what the Cheda Ego was. Good? They refute that. They, they, they. Maisha's gone. When Maisha's gone, you have to ask, come to the Legion and say, what's the next step? Where, where do we go from here? Maisha wasn't really gone. But in, in their minds that he was gone, the correct step forward is, okay, we need a transition from Maisha. We're not going to have the Nuvu of Maisha anymore. Okay? We'll have to settle with Aaron. We're not going to have that level of Yadiyah, Padava, Padava, Maisha. Okay, Aaron, direct us, guide us. Instead, they, they say, we're going to make something that can replace Moshe. Let me speak out what that really means to replace Moshe. We want something that's going to be a, a, a simulacrum of Moshe, the same high, highest level nevuah, the same channeling prophecy. That's what they wanted the eagle to be. It was coming from a dark place. It was coming through kishup and sorcery, but it was using Kaychas Hatumba to provide them with something that was a very potent and very powerful um, spiritually. Again, it was a foil and a cover for their own interest for their own, for their own arise, but the reason why it was, it was made, molded and molded through Kishuf is because they were trying to make a substitute for that spiritual guy that Moshe was. No, you don't have him anymore. You don't have him anymore. Time to transition and move on to Aaron's. Aaron, Aaron, you guide us now. You guide us. We don't have Moshe anymore. That's, they failed to do that. Isn't wanting Moshe the opposite of the wanting the uh, RIS and all those things? If they weren't caught in this and on the surface of insisting on a substitute for Moshe, they wouldn't have anything to use as a pretext for those Gimel Chamuris. They had to have something on the surface that appeared to be, uh, that, 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 that was catching. Oh, that wasn't their true. Yes. Yeah. But, what, but on the surface, what they're, what they're doing is they're, they are 
they are rallying around a cry of Moshe may be God, but we don't have to give up Moshe. Moshe may be Avek, but we can replace him, we can make a substitute. As opposed to what? When Klai Yisrael, when we have to change from one era to the next era, we have to seek out the advice and guidance of the, the leaders of the new era and say, what, what, what's our job right now? They didn't do that. Yashka Rabbi Isai was living in a transitional period. For the record, there were two Yashkas that Chazal identified, but we're, we're going through the, the first one, the first one who was the originator, progenitor of the legacy of Christianity. Um, Yashka, the original Yashka, lived in a time of transition as well. The Gemara talks about Yashka. Most of those Gemaras were expunged by the censors, but you can find the original text. Uh, the Oiz Gemaras, I think, put it back in. Back in the day, when I was a Bachar, before Oiz they had a, a country called Chesreinus Hashaz. That someone collected, they kept a Messiah of all the Gemaras that were taken out by the censor, and it was kept under wraps, but they printed it. And, and uh, you know, you could get a copy of it. So I have this copy at home somewhere. Um, but there, there's Gemaras here and there that talk about Yashka. And the Gemara, at the end of Saita, tells us that Yashka, it tells us when he lived and who he was a Talmud of. Yashka was a Talmud of Rabbi Shua ben Prachya. Who is Rabbi Shua ben Prachya? Rabbi Shua ben Prachya was an early Zogi, who lived in the time of the Zugais, the time of the pairs. That's where you had a Nasin and Abbezin side by side running Klaizro. And what was that era of the Zugais? It was an era of transition. We were transitioning from Klai being run and directed one way to Klai now needing to be run and directed in a different way. The Zugais have to carry us forward from the Anshei Knesset HaGadayla. The Anshei Knesset HaGadayla was the body that governed Klai before the Zugais, before Yibishu Ben Prachia. The Anshei Knesset was founded by whom? What? By Nevi'im, by prophets. The founding members of the Anshei Knesset were Nevi'im, had prophecy. Who was on the Anshei Knesset that's right, Chagai, Zachary, Malachi, Mordechai, who may have been a prophet, um, and others. The Anshei Knesset which was the body that ran and led and governed Kalei Yisrael from the, the end of the Churban Bayis Rishon to the beginning of the, of the base of the Bayis Sheni, was still a body of prophets that were giving Kalei prophecy. That means Klaisol is still being led through prophecy, a direct channel to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a direct link, a direct pipeline. The Zugais now don't have prophecy anymore. From the end of the Anshak and and onward, from the Zugais and onward, Klaisol is now is no longer being run and directed by Nevi'im, by prophecy, a direct pipeline to Hashem, direct channel, direct connection to the highest spiritual source, Rather, Klaisol now is being directed and run by Chachamim. Very good. We've gone from Nevim to Chachamim. And there's a Bryce in Seder Olam that says that up until the Anshek Nezah we had prophecy. Mikan Ve'elech, after the Anshek Nezah Gedeulah, Hat Oznecho Shema Dibre Chachamim, says the Bryce in Seder Olam. Now we have to incline our ears and listen to the Chachamim. We're directed and led by Chachamim. Chachma, Rabbanim. This is the era now of, of, of rabbinic, rabbinic guidance. Das Torah, Emunas Chachamim. We don't have Navu anymore. We don't have that 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 spiritual revelation and 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 and, um, and experience and that direct uh, direct bonding, the direct communication with Hashem. We don't have that anymore, unfortunately. 
our leadership and our guidance comes from Chochmah, from wisdom, Chochmah Sator, Emunas, Chachavim, and Dastar. This is what happens from the Zuge Zanan. And into the scene walks Yashka, the Talmud of Rabbi Shub and Prachio. And Yashka refuses to go along with this transition, much as Kleisor refused to go on with the transition that happens during the, the, the time of the Petira of the Maishra Rabbeinu when they believe he's dead. Yashka says, no, we don't have to give a prophecy. We can come up with a substitute for prophecy. We can come up with a replacement for prophecy. And that was the Kishof, the sorcery, and the dark arts, the black magic that Yashka brought to scene. The Gemara tells us that Yashka was a Mechashef, and the Charif, and the Gadif, and Mesus Mediach. He schlepped Kleisol off the Derech, but he did it primarily through Kishof, through sorcery. Why was he doing it through sorcery? Why did he veer towards sorcery? Why did he have this Nati towards sorcery? Teretz is, he's coming to provide a replacement, a substitute for the loss of prophecy. Prophecy is high, channeling some of the highest spiritual revelations from the highest realm. Yashka says, we don't have to give a prophecy. We can find it from the cesspools. We can bring up that, we can dredge it up from the cesspools. That spiritual connection as well, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it up from the nether regions. That's Kishof, that's sorcery, that's the dark arts. This is what Yashka does, and what Yashka did, but it's refusal to go along with rabbinic guidance, with Emunas Chacham, with Das Torah, with being led through Chachma, through Chacham. We may have lost Nevi'im, but we don't have to lose Nevu'ah. We may have lost prophets, we don't have to give up on spiritual guidance. This is what Yashka does. And his disciples gobble it up. His disciples gobble it up. <coughs> And Adi Yom the legacy of Yashka is a legacy of what? Self, selfishness. Of selfishness. It's a legacy of laziness, of laziness, of refusal to go with the, the, the realm of Chachma, of Seichel, of guidance of Chachamim, and saying rather we can go with substitutes, with cheap, easy glamorous substitutes, things that look nice on the surface, things that look attractive, like sorcery, you know, performing quote-unquote miracles, they look attractive, but inside there's no depth, there's no meaning, they, they have they, they, something that is devoid of any meaning or life, like Torah, like Chachma. This is the legacy of Yashka and, 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 and everything that he brought into this world, this is the darkness that he brought in. And the irony is darkness can sometimes be so nice and bright and glitzy and glittery and attractive because it's all, again, superficial, it's all the bad something that looks nice, something that's an easy, cheap substitute, as opposed to Chachma, which is something of meaning and, 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 and depth. Um, just as with Kala Yisrael, the substitute for Moshe was a pretext for their Averis, Yashka as well, we're told that Yashka, the Gemara says that, that why did Bishuv and Prakhya threw him out? He rejected him as a student, because he heard that Yashka was making, they stayed one, in an inn, and he, Yashka said, made a comment, said, oh, the innkeeper has nice eyes, she's, she's good looking. He made a comment about the innkeeper, the woman. And Rabbi Shulman Prakhi said, this is what you're looking at, this is what you're visiting, this is what you're thinking about, I, you know, this is what you're holding. So he, he tossed him out. Yashka came back wanting to do tshuva, wanting to be penitent. It didn't, it did not, uh, he was, yeah, that's, we're not going to go through that story now. But with Yashka, it's the same thing, that he, again, had things that weren't worked out inside. The Arayas that he, that he coveted, and that created this, this need for, again, to have a pretext that if I have a spiritual source that, quote-unquote, that is my substitute, my replacement for Nebuah, but it's it's something that I'm determining, I'm I'm channeling it, I'm shaping it as I can use it as a as as a, an excuse for whatever I want. Now Rabbi Moshe asked over here, so who did Yashka come from? So I'm gonna tell you something amazing I heard from the, I think I think he, I think uh Rabbi Shapiro said this in the name of the Sabra Hagilgulam, uh the Tamidum of the Arizal. 
Yashka's Hebrew name is Yeshua, without the hey. Yod Shin Vav Ein, Yeshua. And it's the same it's the same letters as one of the Enochloch of of of, of uh, Esav, who's Yehush, Avi Yehush. And Esav himself, if you re- scramble Esav, Esav is Yeshua, Yehush is Yeshua, and Yeshua is Yeshua. He was really tapping into, he was a biological descendant of, of Kleisel, the spiritual heir to the Arayas, the Arayas of Esav, Esav is Molly of Kaddish. Every single direction there's Mamzeris going on over there. This is what Yashka was all about, using this as a, as, as a, uh, as push to find this pretext to refuse to go along with the switching from Nebuah to Chachmah. And this is why the Gemara tells us in Gittin that what's the fate of Yashko? What's Yashko suffering with until this very day? Uncleus the Ger wanted to convert before he was Uncleus the Ger. He summoned three people up from the dead. One of the people that he suffered was Yashko. He said, should I convert or not convert? And then he said, you know, by the way, one of the, he was curious, Yashko, what, what's it like up there, down there? What, what's, your, what's your fate? So what, what's Yashko's fate? What's the Gemara getting to say? Tzayir. He's sitting in the vat of Tzayir Esachas, human excrement, boiling excrement, boiling human excrement. What's the Pshat Tzayir Esachas? Zabtir Maisha Shapira, Tzaya, excrement is the furthest you can get from life. It's the most removed from life. It's what happens when life re- rejects, refuses life. The part of my body that can't convert, that can't be converted into life, the part that my body rejects. Tzaya, Reisachas, Yashka drifted as far away as possible from life. He had, after for life, Dibberli Kim Chaim, Had Oznocha, Ushmad Dibberli Chacham, Listen to the Chacham, go with Chachma, the Torah's. Christ was going further, going, Christ was going ahead, moving forward towards eternity through, through Chachmah, through Zibar Likim Chaim, the living word of the living God. Yashka, by offering a cheap substitute, is detaching himself, breaking himself off of life. And that's Soya Reisachas Adi Amazeh. He's the furthest he can get from life. And that's his legacy, is Soya Reisachas, Rabbi Say. And the tikkun that we have to make on Aserbet Teves, again, is embracing Amunus Chachamim, understanding that this Zibar Likim Chaim. There's no true life but the life of connection to Torah and the Chachamim are there to guide us through thick and thin. Our Chachamim, our Rabbanim, our leaders, and we're mavatal ourselves to them. And it's their guidance that gives us depth, that gives us pinimis, gives us meaning, gives us understanding. We should be zaycha to have a meaningful fast tomorrow, Rabbi and flip the fast around to a day of celebration and happiness. Thank you for joining.